One of the immense privileges of being a pastor is that you get to be with people in the defining moments of their lives. I want you to think about a defining moment for you. We heard one earlier from Kerry. A wedding. A funeral. Right now, folk in Mozambique, our neighbor, are experiencing immense defining moments. I love being with people in the defining moments of their lives. In 33 days, we are going to commemorate the defining moment in the defining life of all of human history. In 33 days, we are going to define, we're going to celebrate the defining moment in the defining life in all of human history. It's called Easter. And I don't want us to do it alone. I don't want us to do, to do that alone or just do it with us. Because, because defining moments are there to be shared. I want us to celebrate Easter this year with Jesus in our hearts and our neighbors at our side. I want us to celebrate Easter this year with Jesus in our heart and people who do not yet know this person who is Jesus with us. So that perhaps this Easter can be for them also a defining moment. Something that changes everything forever in their lives. This Easter we are going to celebrate the crazy hope that is Easter. And man, we shouldn't do that alone. God came into the world and changed everything. We can't keep that to ourselves. We can't keep the most defining moment in all of history to ourselves. I hope you enjoyed that video. I did. I I loved that. And you can go and look at it on YouTube again, The Bible Project. There's tons of videos like that. They are so fantastic. So much information about one life. A whole book about one life. I've watched it lots of times, and one of my favorite lines in that whole video is this. John believes that the Jesus that you read about in this book is alive and real and that he could change your life forever. John believes that the Jesus that you read about in this book is alive and real and that he can change your life forever. That is a big belief. What an awesome, awesome thing To know what an amazing thing to be able to share with other people. What an amazing thing 
John says somewhere else, he says, he says I, I, I want you to know all of this so that you can make my joy complete. Imagine having complete joy. Imagine being able, my joy is complete. That's what John says. He says, this is why I want you to know all of this. This is why I want you to be in relationship with this man, because I want you to know that what happens to you will help to make my joy complete. And so I want to invite you over the next few weeks on a journey. A journey about this defining life. And it begins with that poem. I want to read it to you. John 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the, into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Amen. It's just, I want you to go away with a few things in your mind today. I want you to go away with the defining life of Jesus ringing in your mind. It's almost as if John is trying to say absolutely everything he can about Jesus in these 14, 18 verses. He's just trying. You, you know how it is. When you're trying to convey something to somebody that is just so amazing, and because they haven't experienced it, they can't actually get it. You, you, you know that feeling. We all have it. And that's kind of, I think, what John is doing here. He's just trying to his scars. If you don't get anything, get this. So here's some of the things that John desperately wants us to get. Because this Jesus changed his life forever. And he wants this Jesus to change our lives too. And he wants this Jesus to change our neighbors' lives. And in this passage it says, actually he wants this Jesus to change the life of everybody in the whole world. So there's a few things we must get 
The first thing that John wants us to get is that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Palestinian son of a carpenter, conceived outside of marriage, a poor man, in all sorts of respects, an incredibly ordinary, everyday human being. Who needed to eat, who got tired, who who cried, who laughed. This flesh and blood Palestinian man is God. He's not a messenger. He's not somebody that that God kind of I need to get a message to people. And so I'm gonna appoint messenger. God has messengers. The Bible tells us that God has messengers. They are angels, usually. Gabriel is the famous one. He's the chief messenger. That's, those are God's messengers. Jesus is not a messenger sent from God. Jesus is not a manifestation of God. He's not like God sits somewhere else and he sends a little bit of himself over there to kind of so that so that people can all go whoa. You know, like the burning bush. He's not just like this manifestation that the God is there, but he's also over there. Jesus isn't a product of God. Isn't something that God came up with later on when he saw that the world wasn't going the way he'd created it to go and so he decided he needed a new and improved version of something. Jesus is none of those things. Jesus is God. Do you know how revolutionary that thought is? In fact, it is the thing that got Jesus killed. It is the God's God's mess with people. They don't come in human flesh. Hebrews chapter 1. The New Testament is full of the wonders of the fact that Jesus is God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. If you want to know what God is like and you're a bit confused, read the Gospels. Read everything the Bible has to say about Jesus. Because, because let's face it, reading through the Bible from what can sometimes get confusing about is God happy or is he not? Is he love? Or is, if you want to know what God is like, Jesus. Because that's what it says here. He is the exact representation of God. That is what God is like. Oh, John, he, he says this about Jesus. Well, he says this about what Jesus said about himself in John 14. Some of the disciples are getting a little bit 
empty. You know, are you, aren't you, who are you, you know. Jesus, if you, if you could just show us God, that would be great. And Jesus says to his disciples, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This isn't like, you look a bit like your dad, you know, you know that thing? This is not that. Jesus said, I don't look a bit like my dad. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Folks, we must never forget that Jesus is God. Here's the second thing that John wants us to know. That God came into the world to live with us. God came into the world to live with us. John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling with us. I love that image. He came and, came and lived with us. John is not saying that God is watching from a distance. However great that song is, and it is a great song, God is not watching from a distance. We need to understand. But the truth is that we often live our life like that, don't we? We often live our lives like that. Our prayers are often, God, come, please come here and help me. Because, because, because you're in heaven, and we are here, and it may be great in heaven, but down here right now, it's not great, God. And John says, God is not watching from a distance. You need to understand, says John, that God hasn't popped in to condescend to let us grovel. God has not popped in to condescend so that we can grovel. I'm happy for all the guys that are going to the Ed Sheeran concert. And people are going to come back and say, yeah, Ed Sheeran, they, ha- they groveled. No, no, I'm, I'm, I've been to concerts too, and I'm okay with that. But there's a celebrity on the stage, and, and you know, you may get lucky enough to get a selfie, maybe, with a million other people. Famous people like us to grovel. John says, Jesus didn't come so that, so that we could grovel. John is not saying that God decided he was going to pop in for a quick visit to see how we're doing. God is going much further than that. Here's the beautiful picture that the Bible paints of God. That once God used to walk in with us in a garden, that God would pop in in the evenings into the garden and walk with Adam and Eve. And then we sinned and we were separated from God. And ever since then, God has been getting closer and closer and closer to us. Ever since then, God's direction is to get closer and closer and closer to us. And John says, now it has finally happened 
God isn't at a distance anymore. God, in fact, isn't even in a temple anymore. God lives with us in a tent in the desert. He doesn't build himself a nice palace and invite us in. He comes to our shack and he builds a shack next door. He comes to our house and he builds a house next door. He comes to wherever we are and he moves into the neighborhood. Because he wants to be part not just of your life, but of every single other life in the world. God is getting closer and closer and closer. God came into the world to live with us. The message version says it like this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Every neighborhood. The big rich ones. The poor broken ones. The flooded ones. The burnt out ones. The crime ridden ones. The safe ones. All of them. God moved into the neighborhood. John can't get over it. So there's four books in the Bible written by John. There's the Gospel, and then there's first, second, and third John, which are small little letters towards the end of the New Testament. But one theme runs throughout all of those books. John can't get over the fact that that not only has God come down to earth and moved into the neighborhood, but he got to know him. Listen to what it says in 1 John 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, uh, looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. He, he just can't get over it. You know what? I'm a name dropper. I like people to know. I know some famous people. I, I'm sorry. It's like we're all a bit like that. Eh? But you know what? Those famous people are like whatever. I mean, maybe they're nice people, and they go, "Yeah, yeah." But but they will always keep their distance. They will always have their life, and they will occasionally let us in. John says this is the opposite. God, who ought to have his life and actually never let us in, doesn't just to condescend to actually let us in. He does the opposite. He comes into our life with all the garbage, with all the brokenness, with all the sin and rebellion and don't care and I'll do it my way. God says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to come and I'm going to move into the neighborhood and you can touch me and you can see me and you can hear me and I'll be your neighbor. Yeah. God came into the world to live with us. John doesn't stop there, he keeps going. And he says this, even in darkness, ordinary people can recognize him. Even in darkness, guys, let's understand this world, it's dark. It is a dark world, there's all sorts of terrible stuff going on, there's all sorts of stuff we can't get our hand around, heads around, there's floods and there's wars and there's fires, and there's all, this world is dark. 
And the truth is so many people don't actually recognize him, but ordinary people can. John 1.6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is another John, this is John the Baptist. And that line is so important because it's telling us that, that ordinary people can recognize God when he comes to town. The sad truth is so many people don't. So many people don't recognize God when he comes to town. Didn't you love how in that video, Jesus did these amazing things, like raise people from the dead, turn water into wine, heal people from diseases that had their whole lives. And there were two distinct groups of people that looked at these things. And, and, and some of them said, oh, God. And another group of people used that as an excuse to kill Jesus. That's crazy. They saw the same miracle. They saw the bread happen. They saw the blind people who could see. They saw all of that. And what did they do with it? They used it as an excuse to kill Jesus. But you see, then there were a whole lot of other people who went, I'm going to use a phrase, who went, oh my God. Not as a blasphemy, but as a truth. They went, oh my God. This just happened here, guys. God is right here. And you know what was amazing? Most of these people were ordinary people. Most of these people weren't high up, fancy people. They weren't lanies. Some of them were, but most of them were just shepherds and carpenters and, and stay-at-home moms and accountants and just ordinary people just going about the ordinary day. They recognized who Jesus was even when so many don't. We've got to celebrate the fact that we are here because we know who Jesus is. We've got to celebrate the fact that you are sitting right here right now because at some point in your life you went, oh my God, oh my God. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God doesn't slam the door. God doesn't close the door on us recognizing him. We do. The world does. But God does not. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah verse Chapter 29, verse 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. For those neighbors out there that haven't recognized Jesus, they can. They can. Just because they haven't up to now doesn't mean they're not going to. There was a time when you didn't either. And sometimes we think that, you know, all the churches around everything, surely they would have seen by now. How dumb are they? I'll tell you how dumb they are. They're as dumb as you used to be. You just can't if you can't. 
But God's Spirit moves towards people. And then sometimes God's Spirit uses a thing I say or I do, or you say or you do, and all of a sudden somebody goes, my God. Ordinary people can recognize God. The fourth thing, the last one, well, second last truly, but there's a great bonus at the end. Here's the other thing that John wants us to understand. That we can become the children of God. That you and I can become the children of God. John 1.12 Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Because we live in a human rights society, and, and I think that human rights are good. I think it protects all of society. But as Christians, we don't have a lot of rights. True story. We've given our lives away. But here's one of our rights. That because of Jesus, God has given us the right to become the children of God. Again, this guy John, he can't get over to say in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. You are God's child. Not his slave, not his pawn, not his friend. You may be, feel like sometimes you're that, but, but, but before anything else, you are a child of the living God, the maker of heaven and earth. You are a child of God. John wants us to remember four defining truths. He wants us to remember that Jesus is God. He wants us to remember that God came into the world to live with us. He wants us to remember that we can recognize God. When millions can't, we can. And he wants us to remember that we can become God's children. Not just we can, we have the right. Wow. To be the children of God. But John has one last great wonder for us in this opening chapter. He has one last great wonder. In this chapter later on, in verse 29, it says this, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Quoting John the Baptist. He's obviously with a group of people. And he's standing there and there's people around him and he goes, Look! Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If John hadn't been there in that moment, a whole lot of people would have just missed it. They would have missed it. They wouldn't have known that this ordinary Palestinian carpenter dude was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the great wonder. We can bring others to Jesus. Here's the great wonder. 
That you don't have to be John the Baptist to be able to go to people, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In fact, the rest of, of chapter 1 is about a whole lot of other people. Guys like Andrew and Nathaniel and Peter. and Just a bunch of ordinary people who, who look at Jesus and go, wow, you're the Messiah. Wow, you're a rabbi. Wow, you sent from God. And, and you know what they do? They go and tell their friends about it. That's the first thing they do. They say, come, 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 come. You've got to meet this man. Again, uh, John, he can't, he's, he's excited about this. Choose your Johns. He's excited about this. Because in 1 John 1 verse 1, that which was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, the word of truth. The word of truth. But I, I want this Easter to define us. Not just us as a church, but truly, for the first time this Easter, you know, normally, honestly, in our church, we kind of try to make Easter about ourselves and our own spiritual journeys, and we try to make Christmas about inviting everybody who doesn't know Jesus. We, we, we want to do that this Easter. We want to do that this Easter. We want to go, we can't keep this thing to ourselves. It is too important. It is too life-changing. It is too defining. We want this Easter to be completely different. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we believe that the Jesus that you read about in this book is alive and real and that he can transform your life forever. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want to pray for us now. And, and here's what I want us to pray together. I want you to sit quietly for a moment and say, God... Help me to find those people that I can say, I have found the Messiah. I found the Messiah. I can introduce you to him. And I, and I want you to start praying for those people. And then on Easter Sunday, I want us to have such a problem in this church that you guys all have to sit on the floor because, because people who don't know Jesus yet are sitting in the seats. What a great problem to have. Imagine if this Easter we run out of bread and God has to imagine that again. Because we believe that the Jesus you read about in this book is alive and real and that he can transform your life forever. So I'm going to invite you to pray quietly in your heart. God, show me those people. Show me those friends. Now I'm going to invite you to stand. May the Spirit of Christ empower you to love and serve your neighbors. As you invite them into your hearts and your homes, 
your lives and your schedules as you invite them to celebrate Jesus with us this Easter. May they come to understand through being loved by you that they are loved by God and can love Him in return. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You are more ready to do this than you realize. Go now in the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all God's